In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an awesome guest here with me, Sean. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. And so I guess I got to start off with the first question. Like, what led you on your journey to sort of where you are today? That's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's one question in 37 parts. So thank you. <laughs> okay, I mean... I've always been a serial entrepreneur, always, ever since as far back as I could remember. Just, I always want to do my own thing and follow my own path. And I got used to the ridicule and the scorn and the envy and the strange looks at a very young age, which is something that most people that want to pursue an entrepreneurial path or just a creative path or just going their own path. It's something that it holds them back. You know, they worry about what other people think, which is silly. I mean, you know, the old quote goes, You'll stop worrying about what people think about you when they realize they seldom do. <laughs> they seldom do. You know, come on. You're not, you don't have 200 million followers. Nobody cares about you. Just do your thing. Focus on yourself. So with that being said, I mean, I just have a lot of experience in different vectors. So, you know, I used to sell candy when I was a kid. I had my own e-commerce business when I was 13. PayPal, <laughs> when it launched, I was like 14. Everyone was all worried. Why are you giving the money to PayPal? You don't know what this could be. They could take your money. No one, no one understood how it worked, you know, because it was so new. It was so new. It was like, what, what is this? After the e-commerce business, I had educational assistance business. I had that for about two and a half years throughout a uh, later stage of high school. And then getting out of high school, I got into nightlife, which is, you know, what I'm primarily known for. Even though I've done a million other things, everyone, it will always come back to like, oh, tell me about the parties and the celebrities and all that. It doesn't matter if I have the cure for Corona. I could have the cure for it in my pocket. Here it is. It's the cure. Take a pill. People are like, that's awesome. So which celebrity do you like hanging out with? It will always go back to something like that, which is fine. I mean, I did it for a very long time. And that was just my main objective. My main endeavor was, you know, taking over the South Beach nightlife scene and really you know, running it and, and doing all the fun celebrity stuff and working with major brands and doing the marketing and the guest list and the VIP parties and everything that you can think of when it comes to Miami nightlife, I did. Whether it was like a penthouse or a yacht or a performance or a club or a day club or a pool or a hotel or a lounge, all that. That's, that was just my life from, you know, the end of high school to, I'd say like, you know, mid-adulthood. Not that I want to refer to myself as a, a mid-adult, but yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's, uh, that's, that's the way to do it. I mean, that was just my gig. And by doing that, because it was extremely great for networking, it was extremely great for learning. It was extremely great for really wearing a lot of different hats. But, you know, through doing that and through meeting so many people, I got into doing other stuff. So that's how I got into guest lecturing at different universities. That's mm -hmm. how I got into writing my book. That's how I got into writing screenplays. I mean, everything kind of stemmed from that. And none of those were goals. None of those were, oh, I'm going to do this one day. It just, it kind of happened. And it happened from taking action and doing something that I wanted to do. So that's kind of what led to a, a lot of different paths. And then that also led to 
working with different startups in a variety of different vectors, you know, whether it was luxury transportation, whether it was education tech, whether it's event tech, whether it was fintech, just so many different startups that I worked with either as a consultant or in a role where, you know, I was able to learn a lot and connect the dots and really, you know, make things happen. So it all stemmed from, you know, just a crazy idea of like, I want to go to Miami and take over the scene. And by doing that, it led to so many other different opportunities. So if you're out there listening and you have a crazy idea, do it, do it. The crazy ideas are what lead to stuff. Doing the traditional path doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't. Working your way up and getting a promotion and, you know, being a number in a big company. Yeah, that might be great, but it's not going to lead to anything great. It's not going to lead to anything crazy. You got to go a non-traditional path. You have to follow your own path. I mean, the path is made by walking. And the problem is nobody wants to walk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody wants to take that first step. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I hope that answers the question. It's a pretty long-winded answer to your question, but I hope it addresses what, what you were trying to get out from it. Of course. No, no. I, I thought it was perfect because I know you do so much. So I was like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting to see him answer this question, but you did it so beautifully. I thought it was wonderful. Oh, thank uh, you. Okay. Oh. Yeah. You're rocking and rolling, my friend. So basically, so you were selling candy as a kid. Cause I always ask this question because I find it so fascinating how it correlates to where people are now. So what did you want to be when you grew up as a I kid? I mean, that question doesn't really correlate to me because when you're a kid, you don't know anything. You know, you know, like, what do you want to be? Like, when I was like seven, I wanted to be like, you know, I wanted to be like, like Schwarzenegger, not an actor. I just wanted to be like a Terminator. You know, it's like, you want to be like, you know, oh, I want to be a Terminator. I want to be Rocky. Or like, you want to do something like, I want to be a paratrooper. Or I want to be, you know, an astronaut. Like all these different things that like, they're cool when you're six or seven. But then like, as you get older, they don't correlate. You're like, wait, I can't be a Terminator. And I can't be an astronaut. I mean, I could be an astronaut, but I'm like, oh, you know, I got sick on Space Mountain. I don't think I can be an astronaut. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I don't mean the ride. I mean, just waiting in line. I was like, man, I'm really dizzy. It's all black in here. You know, so the things I wanted to be, I mean, when you're, when you're young, unless you really, really follow them, I mean, life happens while you're waiting for it to happen and things change. So it wasn't really something where, you know, there was an objective that I specifically wanted at that young age. Even as a teen, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I didn't have any endeavors for anything beyond the next year. You know, I was just focused on what I was doing. And, you know, as, as things change, new opportunities arise and new interests arise. And by exposing yourself to those interests and opportunities, you know, your path changes and you have to be flexible. You might stumble upon something that you had no idea you wanted to do, and then it just hits, it clicks, you know? And there's, there's a quote by Carl Jung, which says, you know, until you make the subconscious conscious, it's going to direct your life and you're going to call it fate. So you have to kind of know yourself and know what you want to do or else you're just kind of going to be lost. You're just going to be there trying to, you know, go after every little thing that you think you want to do and, until you realize, wait, I'm just wasting my time. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a, an accounts receivable. You know, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be in that. I want to do something that is not expedient, but meaningful. That's what it comes down to or else you're going to hit a point where it's like, what have I been doing? You know, what, what, what have I been doing? You know, everyone has to hit that point, but the earlier you hit that point, the better. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, see, the thing is like when you're a kid, right? Like you said, you wanted to be the Terminator. So, and now you write screenplays. I don't know. But I don't write Terminator screenplays. So it's kind of like, uh, if only they gave me a chance. Somehow (laughs) manifested just a little bit. (laughs) I mean, but when you say that, I mean, I wanted to be, you know, 
an actual cyborg, <laughs> you know, mimetic polyalloy, very tough to kill, you know, <laughs> it, it, it mimics anything it touches, you know, like something, something like that, you know, that I didn't want to write anything. I wanted to be the guy that, you know, could run really fast and drive all the stuff and, you know, walk out of the, the fire and do all that, but I'll settle, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's settled. you have to, you have to have a fantasy, I think, to, to, to go after because the, the single fantasy could impact millions of realities. So, you know, and I think I think that's a major issue right now is that people don't really have, you know, the fantasies anymore. They have really like, you know, the fantasies they do have, they're not they're more personal to them and they don't have a net benefit on the world. So it's kind of like I want to be the richest person ever. But that's not to like help other people. It's so that they can, you know, they've been weaned on seeing everybody have a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a yacht or a private jet. So it's like I want to have 10 of those, you know, and it's like, well, what are you going to do to help society to obtain that goal? What are you going to do to, to ease someone's burden, whether you create a product that makes their life easier, makes their business easier, makes them laugh, makes them happy, makes them feel good. I mean, you, people need to get to the source and just, I want to do this. You know, I just want to, I just want to sit here and do this. So yeah, that's just kind of my, my opinion on it. I mean, like I said, you have to do what's, what's meaningful, not expedient. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I feel like that's why our, the millennial generation is so powerful because they are thinking about the greater good. A lot of them, they are thinking about how do I give back to society? And that's why I think like our generation is going to change the world forever because it's like, we've been at the brim of like technology and real life. Right. So it's like, I remember middle school without cell phones, you know, kind of thing, or like, and I went through high school without texting, you know, that yeah, kind it's, of it's a blessing. It's a blessing. I mean, by the oh, time yeah. texting came around, it was 10 cents a text. Nobody <laughs> like nobody could afford it. You know, and it wasn't like a thing you did. It was like, okay, I'm going to send a text because like, you know, I can't hear someone or I can't find them. I'm in class. You did it like a few times a day. No, you, it's, it's just too expensive. And it wasn't as advanced. And I mean, it just, you know, you just called someone, you know, you just called someone. Now that, that was it. And now it's just like, who, who, how does the phone work? There's a green button. I don't know. If, there's a button with the shape of something on it. I don't understand what it is. I'm going to text that person. <laughs> I love it. No, but I really do think so. I love that your thought process and like, okay, like don't just do something just to make money, do it out of passion. And like, how is this going to help the world? And I really do believe our generation has the power to really do that and make the change because it's like, they understand the technology, but they also understand the importance of the worldview. That's why I just think the millennial generation is set to just transform this world and and already is, but I think in just like major sound waves, especially with the help of technology, which I think is so, so cool. And I mean, in, in your world, so you started selling candy when you were a kid, like what inspired you on your entrepreneurial journey so, so young? Because I know for me, like I started working at my parents' restaurant when I was like 10 years old and that's how I got thrown into the entrepreneurial. Bag. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like, I want something. That's it. It was very like at a young age, I want that. I can't afford that. I need money. You know, that, that's kind of what it is. I want, I want that same things I want now. I want a Sega Genesis. <laughs> you know, I can't afford it. You know, I want, I want a video game. I want a comic book. I want something. I mean, you need money for stuff. So it's kind of like you can sit back and maybe you get, you know, I was, I was getting an allowance of like $3 a week so I can sit back and get $3 <laughs> a week or I can try and, you know, hustle. And I understood the power of hustling and really just kind of compounded from that. I mean, I never, I never wanted to have to ask people for money. I always wanted to do it on my own. And I never wanted to work a job. Like to me, because even when I was like 10 or 11, I would get, you know, parents, friends would offer me, you know, oh, you want to work the job? And it's like, how much would it pay? It's like $5 an hour. And it's like, no, 
<laughs> like, I'm not doing that. And that just compounded into like high school where it's like people would, you know, they'd be just working jobs and, and I just didn't want to do it. And then it followed in college where it's like, I want to do my own thing. Then followed in adulthood. I want to do my own thing. I mean, it's, it's just something that, you know what you want. So you have to make it happen. You know, you have to make it happen. Like for instance, people say to me, I wish I could do what you do. And I say to them, I wish I could do what they do. I wish I could wake up and go to a job that I don't want to do and spend eight to 10 hours there five days a week doing it for years. I can't do it to me. I want it's, it's not for me. I mean, it's life is a truly short affair. You know, you don't really want to spend it doing what you don't want to do. You know, you don't want to look back and be like, all right, you know, I helped the accounts department, you know, save X amount of dollars in 2021. It was great. What an accomplishment. What a great story to tell everybody, you know, and it's kind of like, I, I mean, a lot of that stuff, it's funny because just being an entrepreneur, a lot of the business world kind of just rubs me the wrong way. It yeah. just rubs me the wrong way. There's a lot of people that have, especially like on LinkedIn, we have a lot of people that have like 50 million certificates. And it's like, why you waste your time getting these certificates? Like, okay, you have like stuff that's applicable, you know, and stuff that works. But then you have stuff that are just like, that doesn't impress me. This is just like you, you paid it. You paid for a course. You took the course and that's it. You have it. Like it doesn't do something that, again, that you started yourself, that you're making, trying to grind out. You're trying to make happen. Not something that like, okay, I'm going to go click the button and give my credit card and I'm going to take this six week course. And I'm going to have the certificate. And it's like, okay. <laughs> you know. So to me, it's like, you have to be worthy of your goals. And I feel like a lot of people are not worthy of their goals. And you have to have these goals that you have to strive for. You have to have these lofty, ambitious goals that are really, you know, a painful slog because all lofty, ambitious goals are a painful slog, you know, and you have to be worthy of them and, and rise to, the, to them. That's, that's at least my opinion. That's how I kind of focus and, and do things, you know, is just by having these crazy dreams and going after them when nobody in the world thinks it could work. I love that. And like, you know, throughout your experience, like what, who, or it could be multiple people, has inspired you the most? Are we talking a historical figure? Or are we talking people that I actually know? Either one. Well, Over. I mean, that's, again, here's one question in 37 parts. <laughs> you know? I mean, so I read a lot. My history, again, is one of my topics that I enjoy. So, I mean, if you say historical figures, there's just, there's just a variety of people that have inspired me to do. And, and most of the listeners probably never heard of them. <laughs> so I don't know if I should mention them. But if you want, it's, 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 it's kind of like, you know, it depends where I'm at in my life. So younger, I was more inspired by military figures. Mm. So Caesar, for instance, and Alexander the Great, mm. Osiris the Great, you know, ancient history figures. And then moving forward up, you know, I mean, it would just change with the times, you know, that of someone just being like, wow. And I think, you know, the one person that I just, that really inspired me when I read about it years ago, and that's how I kind of not emulate, but just like, kind of set me on the path that kind of confirmed my path was the right one was Casanova because when you read about Casanova mm -hmm. Casanova everyone knows he's a ladies man but that's like not even the most interesting part the most interesting part was that he, he was like the real life Forrest Gump he was like a soldier a spy a professional gambler he hung out with kings and queens he like debated philosophy with Voltaire he hung out with Benjamin Franklin in a hot air balloon exposition you know like he met Catherine the Great he, he met Frederick the Great. He created a national lottery. He, he escaped from an inescapable prison, wrote a best-selling book about it. He wrote a science fiction book in the 18th century when no one even knew what a science fiction book was. You know, he translated the Iliad into Italian from ancient Greek, played in an Italian orchestra, composed with Mozart. 
you know, like like everything you can think of. He was a lawyer, a friar, a soldier, like he did everything. And I'm like, it was just so fascinating to me because it, it reminds me of all the stuff that I've done. And a lot of people don't know what, what to, to do when they come across me because I've just done so many different things. And most people have just been set on one thing. They were set on just one business, one industry, one vector, and that's it. And me, it's like, well, I was doing something in similar, but then I got tired of it and I move on. You know, your path can always is always going to change course because you're the one walking it. And it just depends where it ends up. It's up to you. So I've done a lot of cool stuff and I'm always interested in doing more cool stuff. You know, yeah. I'm always interested in trying to see and have this experience. I mean, Henry David Thoreau said life is an experiment. And the more experiments you make, the better. So to me, it's like, OK, that's perfect because I can do something fail. I don't have to put it on social media, put it on LinkedIn, do anything. It just, if it, if it works, great. If it doesn't, it fails. And it's, I forget about it a week later. You know, most people, they fail and they're like, they're gone for life. They're done. I'm never dipping my toe in the water again. And you can't have that attitude. It's just an experiment. So, you know, I'd say definitely a Casanova for, you know, just all the things he did, but other polymaths as well. And then in person, there was just a lot of people I've worked with over the years that as I was younger, you know, I kind of followed their lead and then took their philosophies and their strategies and their thought processes and kind of made it my own. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how, you know, whether it's people I worked with in nightlife or whether it's people I worked with in different businesses and whatnot, I kind of just, I learned from everybody. Yeah. Try to soak up and it just, it's very difficult to learn from everybody because most people you're going to meet are just terribly stupid. It's terribly stupid. You can learn what not to do for most people. When you find someone that knows what they're doing, like take notes follow their lead, thank them for their time, because to get to that one person is incredibly hard, incredibly hard. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that you mentioned Casanova. And it's amazing because I also, too, look at historical figures because I'm like, I mean, these people have conquered through time. I mean, they're like amazing. But for me, it's a lot of transcendentalism. Like, I love transcendentalism. Mm -hmm. Thoreau, all the teachings I thought was just really incredible because it's like it teaches you to go inside yourself. Like, the power is within you. Of right? course, like self-reliance. I mean, self-reliance is one of the most important books, I think, written in the past 200 years. And nobody's read it. And it's really not that hard. It's like 32 pages. That's it. Yeah. You, get, you get the Kindle version for like 13 cents. And self-reliance, great book. Love self-reliance, but there's so many others. And I feel like you have to stand on the shoulders of giants. You know, a lot of people don't want to stand on the shoulders of giants because that means they have to climb. They have to climb up to them. You know, nobody wants to take that first step or, you know, grip the ladder. And when you have the audacity to do it and when you dedicate yourself to learning and reading and absorbing everything, I mean, your life changes. You know, it just, that, that's what happens. Most people, one, they don't like to read. Two, if they do read, it's like one book a month or one book here and there is fine. And you got to, you know, use your time wisely and read every great book that you can, because once you do, you just your mind unlocks. You open yourself up to thoughts and theories that you never would have experienced before. And it's really not that hard to do, especially now in this day and age. E-books, you don't have to go to a bookstore anymore. Just go to Amazon if you want a physical book. I mean, you, you can stack them up. I mean, during the height of the pandemic, I was like stacking up one book a day, just every day, just reading, uh -huh. starting in the morning and just reading it, you know, taking notes and, and absorbing it and checking it off and going to the next. You really have to use your time wisely and you really have to kind of use every advantage you can get. And history provides that advantage. You know, that the greatest lesson that history teaches is that no one learns from history. You know, pick up a book and learn. You'll thank yourself and you'll thank me. That's what I recommend. I love it so much. I love it so much. And, you know, and then in terms of 
figures who have inspired you in your own life? Who has been that for you throughout your journey? Again, it's changed. I've had different, you know, different mentors and different people that as soon as I was like younger, I said, I want to be that person. And then I was like, no, I want to surpass that person, you know, and that would just be something that I wanted to do because the problem is like, once you get to really know somebody, you see like that you're either a, you're, you're, if you think that you're beneath them, you're going to be on that road already. And B, if you think that you can surpass them, you have to earn that. You can't just be like, I'm going to surpass them and do it. You have to kind of earn that. All individuals are the same except for their inner belief in themselves. That's it. I saved everyone the self-help books. <laughs> you know, that, that one quote. You don't have to read any self-help book, especially modern ones with people in their face on the cover. Don't have to do it. So, you know, it's about having a good mentor, learning from them, and then kind of going your own way. And there's a quote from the Tao Te Ching which says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And then the other quote is, when the student is truly ready, the teacher will disappear. You know, so Nietzsche has a quote which says, one disrespects a teacher by always remaining a pupil. So there's a variety of people. I mean, just that, that I've met, that I've encountered in the different industries that, that have helped me and that I've learned from and that they've set me on the path. And, you know, and a lot of times it's not even like a mentor figure or anything like that. The greatest connections I've made and the greatest doors that have been opened was because someone I met just made a referral to me, just opened the door and made an introduction. And that wasn't for me trying to like be like, you know, a social climber or anything like that. It was just me just getting along with people and having a relationship and saying, oh, you should meet my sister or you should meet my uncle or you should meet my friend. And through that, it would lead to an opportunity, which would lead to another opportunity. So networking is always a major thing. You know, again, right now it's you're kind of running the gamut because there's a million platforms out there. And again, there's a lot of just devoid people, just devoid people that have just the lights are on, but nobody's home. And you can't learn from them. You could you can learn not to be like them. And you can learn that these people have like nothing to offer. You can open your entire Rolodex to them and they would just take it and run. They would never repay it. And you kind of have to navigate through who you want to talk with, network with, and possibly work with, and who you can just avoid. Even if you can meet like a hundred people, I feel like three are gonna be solid. I mean, I've met thousands and thousands of people. And out of the thousands and thousands of people, there's just it's just a handful, less than a dozen, I think, of people that I would trust and do business with and help out and refer with like real big deals or stuff like that. It's really, it just, you have to be careful and you have to kind of know, you know, okay, is this person real? Is this referral real? Are they, you know, what can I do to help them? And I feel like if everyone has this mentality of like, listen, whatever I can help you with, just ask. I mean, I tell everyone, listen, if there's something I can do for you. Like it's no problem for me to take a 10 second email and introduce you to somebody unless it's an arrogant ask. There's a lot of arrogant asks going around. You know, oh, I need to meet this person, you know, because he's a millionaire. And it's like, nope, leave me alone. You're going to burn a bridge. <laughs> or it's like, oh, could you introduce me to somebody here in this thing? Like, no, you know, if it's if it's an actual genuine request and a genuine ask that you can help with and make someone's burden a little lighter, then yeah, it's no problem. I mean, I do it all the time. But when they start sending you a five-page email for, you know, which should be a five, you know, a five-paragraph, you know, request or less, you know, you're in trouble. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, like a genuine ask versus, you know, an arrogant someone. ask. I coined that term. I'm the only one that use it, but now your listeners can use it. An arrogant <laughs> ask. Arrogant ask. So how do you not put together an arrogant ask? And how do you put together a genuine one? Because throughout your experiences, you've seen it all. You know, I mean, so an arrogant ask is like, do you know the CEO of this company? Because I want to meet him. Like that's, that's an arrogant ask, you know, especially if it's from someone you've only talked to once or twice. That's an arrogant ask. A genuine ask is like, 
hey, I'm looking to get into this field. Do you know anyone that maybe I can, you know, that would take 10 minutes of their time to talk to me and guide me in the right direction? You know, someone that's looking for this, like something that's just genuine. You know, you want to come off and be like, hey, you know, get me the president of the United States, (laughs) you know, like, sure, he's on speed dial, you know, (laughs) but there's a lot of that because words are open to interpretation. So if, you know, you have a genuine conversation and a good, you know, relationship with someone said, if there's anything I can do for you, just please ask. A normal person would be like, that's really nice. I'm going to, you know, I'll I'll reciprocate and I'll ask. Well, people are just like, wow, they take that and they're like, wow, that means his entire network is now open to me. I can ask for anything I want. Maybe he knows some investors and some founders and some programmers and oh, he can he can build it for me. And it's just, I, I get a lot of that where people just like, okay, well, now that means all your contacts are my contacts. And it's kind of like, no, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. So it's just about, again, being, you know, humble and genuine. And that's something which it's missing. You know, it, it's definitely missing. We need a little humility. It doesn't hurt. And, you know, just being polite about it. If I can do it, I will no problem. I connect companies and people and all that stuff all the time. So if I can help, I will. So it's not no big deal. But at the same time, if it's just something where it's like, really? Like say to yourself, if you're going to ask someone for a favor, make sure it's kind of like, you know, a real legitimate kind of genuine thing. Like, hey, I need help moving a couch. Okay. Not like, hey, I need help moving a couch to Panama. So you got to take it to the airport and put it in storage. You know, it's going to take you know maybe a day. It's like, no, like, come on. So Think of, translate that into business. So, you know, that, that's how I tell people to think about it. I love it. I love it. And you've had such an interesting journey throughout your career, you know, going into nightlife after high school and then getting into serial entrepreneurship and kind of all over, which I love and respect. And now throughout your journey, what have been some of the challenges that you've sort of come across and how have you overcome them? The challenges are usually the same. You know, first, and when, there's a quote from Heigl which everyone should tattoo to, to their eyelids, is that to be independent of public opinion is the first stage of achieving anything great. Mm-hmm. And you have to be independent, whatever you want to do, because the first challenge is going to be overwhelming resistance from everybody that you know, for whatever you want to do. Overwhelming resistance. If you think that you're going to be universally accepted, wow, your idea is a genius. This is amazing. You're going to be the next Jeff Bezos. You're wrong. It's going to be met with ridicule, it's going to be met with disdain. People are going to ignore it. You know, so you have to kind of have this rhinoceros skin and this inner belief that, you know, what I'm doing is right and I'm going to do it. Everybody throughout history, everybody that's ever achieved anything great, they just, they knew what they had to do. They knew that it, it was possible. You know, it's, it's, there's the old Henry Ford saying, if I listened to what my customers wanted, I would have built a faster horse, you know, so... <laughs> And, and, and most people don't realize, you know, I was like, oh, Henry Ford, the assembly line, a great American capitalist. Well, he failed twice, took investor money and he failed. Couldn't do it. You know, they, they leave that part out of the story, which is the most important part. We'll keep it old school because everyone kind of if, you, if you're on Instagram, there's memes of all the of all the current people. We're going to not use any memes. We're going old school. So we have like a Milton Hershey who wanted to create a factory and put his life savings into creating, you know, a chocolate bar company and make chocolate for the masses at a time when chocolate was, was a luxury item. You know, it was, it was a 1% item. It was a once a year holiday treat. And he said, no, we're going to make it available to the masses. We're going to use fresh locally sourced milk. We're going to create our own process. And everybody in the world said, that's impossible. We already have a process for chocolate. We don't use fresh locally sourced milk. You're wasting your time and your fortune. And he said, no, I'm not. And he hired all his chemists and his engineers, and he found the process, and now we have the Hershey bar. Everyone knows what a Hershey bar is. Around the world, it's synonymous. You know, let's keep it with the food. Henry Hines, ketchup. 
you know, when you think of ketchup, it's always like Heinz ketchup. And, you know, Henry Heinz was bankrupt. He was a failed entrepreneur. And he wanted to create, you know, a sauce that kind of made food taste better because at that time, food tasted bad. Okay, there was no refrigeration. Meat tended to spoil. It wasn't the healthiest thing. People often had stomach problems because the food was rotten or the food didn't taste good. So, hey, why don't we just take some, you know, tomatoes, mix it up and create a formula and we can create something that tastes good. Not this, you know, this fish oil that we just put on the mask that's, you know, the taste and the smell of spoiled food. You know, and again, why are you going to do that? We already have a tomato sauce. You know, so it's always throughout history that the great thinkers and the great entrepreneurs are just saying, thank you for your, you know, your consideration and time. I'm going to do this. And it goes up. Do you even want to go into the modern times? It goes up with Steve Jobs. Why do we want a computer? I have one at the office and I don't know how to use it. I don't want one at home. You know, why does everyone want a computer? What do you do with it? You know, and he's like, trust me, you're all going to love it. It's going to be great. You're going to have a keyboard and a screen. People are like, nobody cares. You know, so you have to have this inner compass that points true north and that guides you. And it's extremely important to learn how to take a no. I mean, I have a unique background, so I advise everybody if they want to be an entrepreneur or if they want to do something creative and go to Hollywood or if they want to, you know, just learn how to be persistent in the face of overwhelming resistance is to do both because I do both. Okay, you need to go into Hollywood and you need to learn how to how to have how to hear a no. So, no, we're not interested. It's never going to work. It, you're just not the right writer for it. We don't do this kind of thing. We don't think it's good. People are going to like it. No one's going to watch this. You know, so you got to hear that. And if you go into entrepreneurship, you have to hear, no, we don't want to fund this. This isn't going to work. This is something that we already have a solution for. You don't have any experience. Yeah. You, you have to really accumulate all of the no's. So that way you're like, all right, no problem. Because an average person, if they hear a no, they're going to be crushed. They're going to be crushed. They're going to be shattered. They're going to be scarred for life. And I mean, it applies to anything, even if, if you want to go to famous authors. I mean, if you think of horror, Stephen King, synonymous, synonymous. Nobody wanted him. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. He had a story where he had a thumbtack on his wall and he had all the rejection letters. And it became so heavy that the, thumb, the thumbtack fell. So they had, he, he stuck a nail in the wall with all the rejection letters. He, he literally threw the manuscript for Carrie into the garbage. He said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And then his wife pulled it out and said, try one more time. And then it became Carrie and it's launched his career. And now he's you know, synonymous with horror and he's famous and everything. But you know, if you go to Rudyard Kipling, someone told Rudyard Kipling, who, you know, Man Who Would Be King, The Jungle Book, you know, world famous. Yep. They told him that... Uh, the agent said that you have no command of the English language. <laughs> so it's kind of like, or F. Scott Fitzgerald on The Great Gatsby. You know, this book is great, but the Gatsby character's got to go. He's not working for us. You know, so it's kind of just like with, with everything. You have to, you know, go forward in the face of overwhelming resistance. You have to go forward. And challenges help you grow. Challenges are there to make you think outside the box. How can I do this? How can I outmaneuver this challenge? So with me, it's always been about, okay, well, no one thinks you can do this. You have no connections, no experience, no resources, no funding. You're just, you're just an idiot with an idea. Prove me wrong. So it's kind of like, I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, and it was just a matter of, you know, there has to be a way. There is always a way, whether it's the, you know, the longest way around is sometimes the shortest way home. There is always a way. So with, when I started, when I, when I decided to get into nightlife and I had no context or anything, I just treated it like, you know, I was apprenticing, you know, I was like, okay, I want to learn this. I want to meet people. I want to network. And by just meeting people and networking, you know, again, it came from referrals. It came from someone I met once that just saw how ambitious and how hungry I was and how I want to do it. And I said, meet this guy. 
And then that would be a job. And then the other person would be like, you're great. Meet this guy. And it would just go from there. So you have to just keep going. I mean, and, and, and it's very tough in this day and age because, you know, most people, they look to social media where everyone's, you know, a serial success story. <laughs> you know, every every single person is happy, smiling, rich, famous, thin, on a private jet, in a car, like everything. And it's like, that's not real. Okay. The real people are not posting that stuff because they're too busy working and trying to close rounds of funding and writing or doing something, something that, that that's meaningful to them and something that matters. And you kind of have to realize that, listen, everything in this day and age, technology has made instantaneous. I want a meal. I want a place to stay. I want a car. I can summon everything but success. Success is not going to be summoned. There's a sharing economy. You can share everything, everything, everything. I want a purse, clothes, video game systems, place to stay whatever. I can share everything except profits. Nobody's sharing the profits. Not a single app is like, we're going to share the profits with our users. So you have to really have this, you know, this long-term mindset and you have to really be patient and you have to be resilient and you have to keep moving forward. I mean, because you're going to have countless challenges, you know, and it really took me, I think three years before I think I really like considered myself successful when I was doing the nightlife. So, you know, and there was a lot of failures. But it was like three years when it was like a thing. And then it grew from there. Most people don't have the patience for that. Three years. Come on. I got three hours. Let's do something. You know, it's just everything's because everything's on demand. You know, the patience is gone. You know, and I always tell people, listen, if you want to know how powerful patience is, look to the trees. And if you want to know how powerful persistence is, look to the grass. You know, so it takes a long time. And you really need to have this ability to kind of focus on what you want. And go after it no matter the setbacks, the challenges, or anything. I mean, a lot of people like to say, Rome wasn't built in a day. And in fact, it's, people should really expand into that. Not only was Rome not built in a day, Rome got its butt kicked. Okay, Rome was not this, oh, I watch Gladiator, Rome is great, and all this stuff. No, Rome had losses after losses after losses. If you read the history, they were terrible. Okay, their record is horrible. They can't even get it to a bowl game. Okay, it's <laughs> terrible. All right, so it's not only that Rome wasn't built in a day, it was that Rome kept being built despite the fact that it kept getting its butt kicked by everybody. <laughs> you know, everybody was kicking its butt. So you really have to, you know, I, I tell people like you have to prepare for this long slog. And if you can't, you're just going to drown, you know, and, you know, nothing is ever over until you say it's over. Right. I love that. I love your insights on overcoming and basically going on to the next thing. Cause I feel like a lot of people sort of lack the drive to just keep going with stuff. And a lot of people are like, Pam, how, like, how do you just like start businesses and do what you do? I'm like, I just keep going. Like, I just like, I understand that there's going to be time investment, but if I'm interested in something and somebody else has been successful, that means a way exists. Success exists in some way, shape or form. So now like with all your diverse experiences and everything that you're up to, Sean, what would your older self tell your younger self as a piece of advice? <laughs> how old and how young? <laughs> when, when people say that to me, I'm, I'm just like, don't eat that sushi restaurant. Don't go like that sushi restaurant. Don't go to it. Like that's the kind of stuff that comes to me. I mean, it's really something I guess I would tell my younger self to read, you know, these different books and kind of explore more things like earlier on because I was just laser focused on what I wanted to do at the time. That was it. That was the only thing that mattered. And as I explored other options, I discovered, you know, other things that I became passionate about. So I guess I would say try and explore this passionate stuff maybe six years earlier. Maybe something could happen. 
But my younger self would be like, you're a kind old man, leave me alone. <laughs> and then my younger self would probably be like, wait, so if you're here, I don't remember meeting. Does this mean this has happened? It would get into this whole ontological, cosmological discussion with physics and everything. And we wouldn't be really meeting. You know, <laughs> it, would, we would, it would be really weird. The space-time continuum would be all messed up. Yeah, I mean, there's really, I don't really have any regrets. It's not like I should have taken that job with, with Uber when it was just two guys. Like, that stuff doesn't happen. People are very hard on themselves. You know, they are more cruel to themselves than the world could ever be. And I've never had, a, you know, an opportunity that, that I turned down that I ever regretted. I never had that. There was never like, oh, I could have been doing this because I knew I wouldn't have been doing that. It's easy to, to connect the dots looking backwards, but it's very hard to connect them looking forwards. You know, looking backwards, it's kind of like, okay, you know, don't eat that sushi restaurant and read these books and, you know, do this. But, you know, you don't know that. You don't know that because you're living in the present. You know, looking to the future, I just try to prepare for a life that I want and, and more importantly, you know, a society that I want. And that's kind of, you know, I don't, I don't tend to look back. I tend to look back to, to think about what I learned instead of what else I could have changed. I don't really have that mindset. I love that. And now what are you up to in the world now? What's next for you? So I'm still doing the super connector thing. So, you know, like I said, if it's not an arrogant ask or if you have a startup, I always encourage people to reach out so I can see how I can be of service and how I can help them. I am launching and we'll announce it right here because not many people know about it. So yes. I'm launching the Utopian Journey, Y-O-U-T-O-P-I-A-N, is the world's first comic book slash graphic novel for yeah. mental health, for self-improvement, for overcoming obstacles, and for becoming stronger. So I'm launching it on Instagram. It's going to be free. Just got to subscribe. Also launching a Substack newsletter going to send out weekly wisdom have a new book coming out probably this spring that uh that has to deal with a post-pandemic mindset shift focusing on all these concepts i um boy that's a lot already <laughs> i'm waiting for hollywood to call me back because i still you know hollywood kind of shut down with the screenwriting thing but we're uh i'm just eagerly awaiting it they also shut down with my game shows for getting people outside the la area i want my revenge i'm coming back there so look <laughs> for me hopefully on abc in six months <laughs> you know, and, and then I just have some other cool stuff in, in stealth that I'm working on, uh, which you can find out about by the, you know, by following me on LinkedIn. I tell everyone, just hit me up on LinkedIn. Say, you know, I, I found out about you from here. I heard about you from here. Send a message. So I know that you're not trying to sell me on some service that I'm obviously don't need and not going to want. And, uh, and it'll be great. I'd love to hear from you. And then when I, and then when this pandemic's all over, you can follow me in person. I'll give you a high five. It'll be great. I love it. John, you're up to some amazing things. I'm, I'm so pumped for like your screenwriting, see where that stuff goes, your books, this utopian society, which I th is so cool. I think it's so cool what you're doing for mental health. I think it's so needed. And I'm just pumped for what you work on next. I know you're always working on some amazing things. So, I mean, the world needs to connect with you ASAP because you just, you bring so much value and so much love and wisdom. Like this whole time I've been so blown away. I'm like, I feel like Sean is my sensei and I'm here listening into it. Oh, like, it's so cool. So I got my Cobra Kai that. chops right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it so much. So I just want to thank you so much for being here today and for your wisdom and for your entrepreneurship and just your hustle and just the things that you continue to do for the world. Just thank you for that. And I'm pumped for everybody to meet you and just thank you again. Well, thank you for having me. It was fun being here. And uh, whatever you need me to do, I know I'm more than happy to come through, talk shop. And like I said, if anyone, you know, you can follow me on LinkedIn. I think that's the best way because I really don't 
I don't really check much on Instagram or Facebook or anything. LinkedIn and definitely follow Utopian Journey. I think everyone's going to, it's something that's never been done. I think it's unique. And as the kids say, it's super dope. Super dope. I think everyone will enjoy it. It'll help a lot of people. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. Oh,